Next on BYUSN, did BYU football's Pro Day make you feel any more pro-BYU for Cougars and their NFL draft dreams? Plus, offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick tells us where the O is halfway through spring football. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It's another Monday, March 27th. I am Spencer Linton. He is newly founded Florida Atlantic basketball fan, Jerem Jordan. Go Owls. Uh, pretty cool as a nine seed that they go all the way. And no seeds one through three even made it, right? We got a, what, four, five, five, nine, which is awesome. Uh, what a fun tournament it's been. So it's going to be fun to... Uh, you know, double duty that through uh, General Conference uh, on Saturday. Historic because no number one seeds made it into the Elite Eight for the first time ever. We yeah. didn't even have a number one seed get to the Elite Eight. Yeah. Not and, one. And you look at these teams and you're like, how many NIL deals did each of these guys have? What did that, like, what was the makeup? What, how did that chemistry and talent kind of come together in that way? Can BYU accidentally get into the Sweet 16 without the National Player of the Year? I, they will someday. I, I would just like it sooner than later. Because I watch a San Diego State, a team that BYU competed with really well, get in and I think, man, can BYU, could BYU have done that in the past a little better? Can BYU do that in the future? Certainly BYU will be weathered and experienced in a way they weren't yeah. in the Big 12. So. Hopefully, uh, BYU shows up at some point uh, in the Final Four. Yeah, it was fun watching that game yesterday between Creighton and San Diego State because BYU played both teams this year, beat Creighton, albeit without their best player, but still beat them. Yeah, Ryan Kalkbrenner's a beast at some foot. And then played pretty well at San Diego State. So and it was like a million years ago. <laughs> that was in <laughs> it, November and December. It feels that was forever, forever ago. ago. Yes. Okay, on today's show, we recap Pro Day. Uh, who helped themselves out the most? A big three might have turned into a big five. We'll tell you about it. Aaron Roderick goes one-on-one -on -one with Spencer. Uh, no Big 12 teams make the Final Four. How concerned are we? And a rivalry win uh, against Utah. That was fantastic over the weekend. Here are today's headlines. BYU football held a closed scrimmage on Saturday in the IPF due to snow at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Tis the season, apparently. Hopefully not Friday. Following that scrimmage, head coach Kalani Satake singling out his defense. And I think today was a really good step forward for the, for the defense. This week, all, all together, I thought it was really nice for the defense. And, um, you know, Jay, Jay's, Jay's doing a great job with them. And, and, and I'm just seeing a lot of, a lot of really nice disruption from the defense. And, and I think it's going to really be nice to compliment to, to what our offense is doing as well now. The Cougars will scrimmage again this Friday. And you can watch it live on BYU TV. That's neato. Number eight men's volleyball beats number seven Pepperdine in five sets, both Friday and Saturday. Combined margin of six in those fifth sets. Romanus led the Cougars with 34 kills in 10 sets, 17 digs, three aces. Cougars 10 and 0 at home. Heath Hughes came back as starter, 10 and 2 with Heath as the starter, by the way. Cougars host USC Thursday and Friday. Remember how we were asking, how does BYU move up in the polls? I would beat Pepperdine. <laughs> that, that helps. That's, you got to win to move up, typically. BYU baseball held a throw-together doubleheader against St. Mary's that was postponed to Saturday. They got all three games in the series in. Game one on Saturday was a 6-4 loss for BYU, but a bounce back in game two, 4-3 win to avoid the series sweep by the Gales. The Bat Cats back to work tomorrow at UVU at 8 Eastern. 
Sierra T uh, Tidwell Alfin won the high jump with a personal best of 185 meters at the Aztec Invitational, tops nationally so far in the outdoor season. And Caleb Wiskin took second with a pole vault of 545 meters, putting him second nationally. BYU softball with a record of 14 and 7 this season play at Utah Tech today at 6 p.m. Eastern. After having three games canceled last week due to rain and snow in Provo. By the way, BYU 4-0 all-time against the Trailblazers. One day, BYU softball will play another home game. <laughs> 75th ranked women's tennis beat Portlandia 7-0 Saturday, and the men lost 4-0 to Portland. How about Cougars in pro hoops? Yoli Childs with 21 points, 8 rebounds in Germany in an 84-70 Hamburg Towers win against the Freyport Skyliners. That's always a tough oh, game. Oh, yeah. yeah. The NWSL's uh, season's underway. Ashley Hatch got a yellow card for the Washington Spirit. Yes, Ashley. Win to the Oil Reign. Cam Tucker subbed in for the Houston Dash in a draw with Louisville FC. Not to be confused with Louisville. And Michaela, Michaela Clough played 67 minutes for the Orlando Pride, also getting a yellow. That's the theme of the week. And a 4 nothing loss to the Portland Thorns FC. Love that competitive spirit. Let's not leave out Major League Rugby, and specifically former BYU rugby star and BYU football player Paul Asike, who scored a try for the Utah Warriors in a 47-19 win against the Toronto Arrows on Saturday. That game was a lot closer than the final score indicated. 1918 late, and uh, Paul and the Warriors poured it on. All rise and shout. It's time for Watch Trend. A pro day recap. And as the words in the song say, yeah, let's make some history and More see like what money, BYU yeah. can do in the NFL draft in 2023. Jerem, uh, we had two hours of coverage on Friday. Fun to be there in the atmosphere and the environment to see all 32 teams represented, which was fantastic. Only team in the state to have that at their pro day. Not even the Pac-12 champions had all 32 teams. They had 31, so close. <laughs> yeah. Very close. Wins are wins, right? Yeah, yes, they are. <laughs> and no play on every little morsel. How did BYU's Pro Day change your expectations for BYU players that have their NFL draft dreams in play later in April? Okay, we went in thinking, okay, Jaron Hall, Puka Nakua, Blake Freeland, those are the top three. Still the top three, of course. And we were interested in seeing what uh, those guys would each individually do. Blake Freeland did not bench in Indianapolis at the NFL Combine. So he did uh, on Friday and he got 25. That was enough. That would have been tied for 16th. Not a huge number, but he is so good in everything else. He certainly makes up for it. And we think he's going to be like a third round guy, maybe late second round. He also went uh, into the 20-yard shuttle and shaved off nearly three-tenths. Oh, the quick feet. 4-4-2. Four, four, Incredible stuff. That would have been first in Indianapolis. Basically, he was the most athletic offensive lineman. The endurance strength of the bench is a different sort of skill set there. But Blake rose up charts. I'm not sure Jaron and Puka fell. I'm not sure they even climbed based on Friday. They didn't hurt themselves. They, perhaps they helped themselves a little bit. We saw Jaron uh, perform and Puka perform. They did not do anything but throw and catch respectively in Indianapolis. So that was good. 
Jaron Hall ran a 4.6240. Plenty fast. I, plenty of fa uh, plenty fast for a quarterback. I kind of thought, given his history and athleticism, that he might crack 4.59 or something. Um, but yeah, that's a good number. 20-yard shuttle was 6.97. That would have been third in Indy. Great throwing session. We'll talk about that in a second. Puka, his numbers were good. They weren't stellar, but they weren't bad. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's ranking. 10 to 20 in kind of the wide receivers in Indy numbers. But his football speed, I think, is is fast. Like, he's 4.55, which is plenty good. He's not a 4.4 guy. I thought he might be that guy. Maybe when he's 100% fully healthy and not coming off of what was, by the way, a concussion at the senior bowl. He got mm. hit in practice a little hard by uh, somebody. I won't, I won't say which opponent, but it was an opponent the BYU played and that uh, you know Puka made plays against. Uh, so that's fun. Uh, but he's doing better, which is good. We saw him catch well uh, with Jaron Hall there. So those big three, certainly it was like, okay, these guys are NFL draft picks. Let's go. The next guy, obviously, and we talked about it Friday, Caleb Hayes. MVP. Yeah. He, he won the Jonah Trudeman Pro Day MVP award. Okay, 17 on the bench. That would have been tied second among corners in Indy. Again, among corners in Indy are the comps. 40-inch vert would have been sixth. 4 3 one, 40. Wow. That would have been third overall at the combine. Overall. Blazing. Woo! 6 8 8 3 cone tied for second. 4 one, 7 20-yard shuttle tied for second. Caleb was clearly hurt a little bit last year. Okay, it wasn't his full self because in 2021, he was one of the best corners in the country. He might get drafted. Chris Wilcox was not on our radar three years ago to get drafted. Chris was in the house, and, by the way. Yes, he was. I talked to him for a minute. He's with the Steelers. Yep, just signed way. with the Steelers. Yeah. Um, is Caleb Hayes may sneak into the draft because those numbers are so good. If he's not drafted, all good. He goes free agent to somebody. And then Chris Brooks was the other one. He's trimmed down to 219 pounds. 21 on the bench would be tied second among running backs in Indy. 37-inch vertical, top five. Broad jump, uh, tied for seventh. Uh, four, five, eight, 40. That was the goal for him in my mind was four, five, something. Three cone would have been second. 20-yard shuttle would have been first. So Chris Brooks looked jerked. Yes, he did. And he looked great. So I think those five guys are BYU's top five prospects. I'd probably go Freeland, Puka slash Jaron, Caleb, then Chris Brooks. Yeah, I'm more confident that Jaron is going to be the second player drafted behind Blake Freeland now because of what he did at Pro Day. And just a couple of notes of what you brought up, the 20-yard shuttle for Blake Freeland. Jim Nagy, who's the executive director of the Senior Bowl, he sent out a video that they took from Mobile when Blake was doing his quick feet drills and said, this is exactly what we expected. So that number, yeah, it helps. Is it enough to solidify Blake in the late second round? Probably not. Someone's like, I, I saw the 20-yard shuttle, and my mind was convinced. But he should feel really good about yes. going by the third round for sure. Yes. And Puka Nakua, even though his numbers in the 40 were not like eye-popping, he's a dude that has game speed, just like Tyler Algier when he ran his 4-6. But Tyler's faster in games. In fact, Jaron's faster in games. I see you, yeah. I've, running away from Baylor's defensive backs in Waco. And Utah in 21 yes. for a play that came back because he stepped out. You know, but like in that play, it's like, oh, Jaron is 4-5 guy. Yes. He was 4-6 guy here. Again, still, that ankle is uh, against Stanford hurt him more than we thought. And, and then perhaps he re-injured it in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. Puka, let's reference the first play from scrimmage of the season when he's running 75 yards down the sideline for a touchdown against USF. Those guys have game speed. So 
We see a bunch of dudes in those skill positions that are right around 4.55 to 4.62, whatever. Show me the tape. Do you have game speed? If you've got it, great. I'm going to put my stock into that. So I don't think that the speed hurt or helped Jaron and Puka specifically. But Jaron Hall is number two in my BYU draft power rankings because of a conversation I had with someone in the Hall camp, specifically referencing his agent, Ryan Tolner. Now, Ryan Tolner in 2016 Related was, to Ted, question mark? No idea. Mm. Okay. Uh, that's a great question. How many Tolners do we know? That's a great question. But in 2016, he was in Sports Business Journal's 40 Under 40 as one of the most successful NFL agents. Sorry you're not available for that anymore. Bursting onto the scene. He's Ben Roethlisberger's agent from the time Ben was, you know, drafted in 2004. So, mm -hmm. I mean, he, I think he was Ben Roethlisberger's agent when he was like 25. Like, that's crazy, right? Did, did he go to Miami of Ohio? What's the connection? <laughs> I have there? no idea. Nice. But Tolner, to his credit, has put together more $100 million deals over the last five years than any other agent in pro football. Carson, With inflation, that's easy now. Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, Marcus Mariota, of course, Ben Roethlisberger. Now he's signed Jaron Hall, and the source inside the Hall camp said, I just got done talking to Ryan Tolner, and he said, look, I've signed a lot of big deals. I've done a ton of these. I mean, just countless pro days. So many that it just it makes me want to... Show me the money. Right? He said, I have never... I have never, and he's like, I'm not using the hyperbole, never seen a pro day throwing session like Jaron Hall just put on. The ball was zinging out there. I mean, it just, it sounded crisp. Mm -hmm. It looked crisp. It looked good to Everything me. was accurate. Yeah. And it was better than I thought it was going to be. Like, I thought Jaron would be pretty good. It was awesome. And his last throw to Puka Nakua, just this deep dime and uh, credit to Puka for catching the ball and using his speed to go and get it, but it was a beautiful pass. Not Zach Wilson pro day folklore, <laughs> but it was unbelievable. It didn't go viral it like, just, uh, like Zach's. Everything sounded and looked so crisp yeah. and clean and fresh, and he looked more healthy. He looked good. And Ryan Tolner left and said, and I quote, uh, we're in a very good place. So... I'm going to buy into that, Jaron, that Jaron solidified at worst a fifth-round draft pick. He may have slid into the fourth round now. Like, I, think, I think his throwing session was that good, and people wanted to see that he's healthy and that he's okay. You've seen everything you need to see. Now he can wait. But I think he may have pushed himself into a fourth-round draft grade, and Puka Nakul will be the third player drafted. It's fun seeing perhaps the most influential person in the world outside of the actual coaching staff and staff there leading that in John Beck. Oh, wow. John yeah. Beck has done more for BYU football and quarterbacks, save, you know, fill in the blank, whatever comp you want to make, um, leading that. And uh, it was great. It was a great day for BYU football. Um, and and this will be a Big 12 day next year. Yeah. Uh, it was the last one in Provo. BYU does a tremendous job with it. And uh, it, was, it was awesome. It was awesome. It was fun to talk to the NFL guys on the show, and congrats to all the BYU guys who hopefully get a shot. The Peyton Wilgars and Gunnar Romneys of the world hopefully get a shot as well. Caleb Hayes is the dude that maybe he takes the Chris Wilcox format and just sneaks in very yeah. early in the seventh round. And BYU's only had one dude drafted uh, out of the uh, cornerbacks since Derwin Gray. Chris, and it was Wilcox. Chris Wilcox. Perhaps Caleb Hayes becomes number two. Do we uh, send a, a tweet out as much? He said he's getting drafted. Chris Brooks feels like a for sure undrafted free agent guy. I don't know about anybody else that competed. Yeah, 
I, I think those top five really stick out as like, okay, yeah. they're, they're gonna they're gonna make at least practice squads. Let's hope BYU has a few more too. I Harris hope Chance and others. Yeah, so. I hope Harris Chance and Peyton yeah. Wilgar get a shot. Sure. Just maybe. We'll say I hope Gunnar Romney gets a mini camp invite. Houston Hamley, they're a bunch of guys, but yep. Houston had a great day too. Houston had a nice day. Sub uh, sub five on the forty and then thirty one. Yep. Reps on the bench. That's 31! That's Woo! strength. You and I are like, can we get one up? Jeez. <laughs> Our question of the day. How did BYU's Pro Day alter your expectations for Cougars in the 2023 NFL Draft? I love this tweet coming in from longtime watcher and listener, friend of the program at CL underscore living. He says, it took me exactly 4.31 seconds to be impressed. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Referencing Caleb Hayes, blistering 40. Oh, I mean, yeah, it was great. Whew. Continue to win. Hashtag BYUS on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Hey, it's uh, it's game week for BYU TV's uh, scrimmage broadcast, the Alumni Day, uh, which starts with a two-hour special coming up on Friday at noon Eastern time. We're going to make time for guys like John Beck, Austin Colley, and rumor has it Dennis Pitta as well. It's coming up Friday at noon Eastern, two-hour edition with a bunch of awesome alums. Up next... One-on-one with offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick and his thoughts following Saturday's scrimmage. And what did Zach Wilson say about Keaton Slovis? Mm. This is BYU Sports. Good team. That thing is ours. No one else could know about it until we figure out what it is. Agreed? Agreed. We're supposed to look out for each other. All this time, I've been searching for us. It chose you for, for a reason. We're in this together. You're the best friends I've ever had. Sports Nation live in Studio B. Along with Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton. Following Saturday's BYU football scrimmage, I had a chance to speak with offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick. He discussed his overall views and takes from the scrimmage and gave us a little insight into Zach Wilson assessing Keaton Slovis. Here's that conversation. Aaron, how was the weather and atmosphere inside the indoor practice facility with all of the spring snow outside? It was a lot better than the weather outside, yeah. Um, this is wild. This is, it feels like January out here. But yeah, really. Yeah. It really does. How do you, how do you, does it affect the team at all when you're, when you're dealing with this? Like when you have to move things in the indoor practice facility, does it affect it? Does it slow the progression that you're looking for? It's not too bad. It's just, we don't like to tackle too much inside there. Um, so we'd rather tackle on grass if we can. So um, we were going to do some tackling, you know, a tackle type of scrimmage today. And we decided to hold off on that till next week. Um but other than that, we get all, all, all the same work done. You know, it's not a big deal. What was the highlight of your scrimmage today? Um, there were some highlights both ways. I thought um, we did a good job in the red zone today, uh, especially with our first team offense. And um, we're do- I'm really pleased so far in camp with just our improvement in goal line short yardage and red zone. We're um, – doing a good job with that stuff and and um red zone's always been a strength of ours but I thought we took a step backwards last year in that and then the you know the goal line short yard stuff is well documented we didn't do a good enough job last year and we I feel like we've done a lot of things to correct that um but our defense got after us in the two-minute drill and um 
we, we need, we need work at two minute. We haven't done as well as we should in that. So, um, you know, it's, they're doing a good job. Our defense is a lot, is uh, bringing a lot of pressure and doing a nice job. Let's dive into some of the specifics of the red zone in the scenarios that you said went well today. What types of things are you looking for and what are you seeing from a game standpoint, from a schematic standpoint that you're liking? Well, we're looking to get a touchdown. We, you know, we, we want to get touchdowns in the red zone. We don't want to kick field goals. Um, and when you get down there, you got to get a touchdown. That's, that's always been our mentality. Um, and, you know, we should get touchdowns. Like today, the drill was, you know, from the fort, we got uh, two series from the 14 yard line and two series from the six yard line. So you should, you should score touchdowns in those situations. Uh, it's, that drill is definitely to our advantage, you know, and then some other drills are more to the defense's advantage. We did one drill today where we're, we're backed up on our own one yard line and got to get it out of there. And, you know, that's, that's a hard drill for the offense. The red zone should be an easy, easier uh, one. And I thought we did a good job today down there. This, the second team offense though, turned it over once and the, the uh, other, the, the first team offense scored both times. Um, so yeah, you just, all situational work. We're just trying to trying to get better. Okay, and now let's uh, talk about the the concern that you brought up. At this point, I mean, it's early. It's it's March. Uh, what what are you doing to, you know, overcome those concerns and ensure the things up that you want to work on after today's scrimmage? Just keep practicing. We have um, we have a lot of good players out there. Um, who guys that are going to be very good players for us that are. Uh, experiencing things for the first time, you know, so every day there, there's a new mistake. That's like, this. that's the first time this guy has seen that situation, mm. you know? And, and so you just try to correct it and keep going. And um, I think, you know, we have some young offensive linemen that are really talented. I'm very confident they're going to be good players for us in the fall that are learning. We have some new quarterbacks that each day are learning. Um, and uh, we're pretty thin at wide receiver right now. We, you know, we don't we don't have very many guys that have actually played in games for us that are practicing. You know, because Cody Epps is out, and so really just leaves Chase and Keanu are the only two receivers right now that have actually, you know, been regular uh, guys in a game for us. And so, um, but no panic at all. We're 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 doing a lot of good things as well, and um, it's practice what was today seven or eight of or spring ball uh eight yeah. i think um you just got to keep working you get you get 15 in the spring you get 29 in the fall and we'll be ready for our first game let's stay with the wide receivers when do you expect uh, cody to be back and, and ready to go um he won't be he won't practice in spring ball um i don't even know exactly he's close right now he's he's actually well i should say He's practicing. He's doing a lot of things. He's just not doing anything against the defense. Like he's in drills with us. He's running routes. Um, he's he's in every meeting. He's involved. He's wearing the same gear that everybody else is wearing. He's out there with the shoulder pads and helmet. You know, he's he's practicing. He's just not playing in the in the eleven on eleven stuff. And um, he'll be he'll be full go uh, in the fall for sure. Well, you mentioned the big, yeah, you mentioned the big three, Chase Roberts, Keanu Hill, Cody Epps. Those are guys that have taken meaningful snaps and made big plays for your team. Who else is going to join them? Who, who are you seeing things from right now that makes you feel like you're going to, your wide receiver core is going to be ready to go, not just with those three? Well, the two, the one unfortunate one was uh, Parker Kingston was playing really well. 
and uh, had a just a hand injury of thumb. I think it's a curious thumb or wrist, something like that. It's not anything uh, serious long term, but it's enough that it's keeping him out of practice right now, out of the contact stuff. So he's in the same mode as Cody. He's out there doing everything he can, catching the ball with one hand, but we have to keep him out of the contact drills against the defense. So um, that's going to slow his development a little bit, but he was playing really well and I'm counting on him being one of our guys in the fall. Uh, he can, he can run. And um, then, yeah, there's, there's some other guys, Dom Henry starting to show up and then, uh, you know, it's no secret. We're going to, we're going to bring in a couple guys in the fall. Mm. Aaron Roderick, the offensive coordinator for BYU is with us on BYU sports nation. Now let's move to the offensive line. You talked about the young guys that are experiencing situations for the first time and, and they're learning and it's frustrating, but, but they're learning and they do join a core of, of some guys that have been around though, notably yeah. Kingsley Suamate and Connor pay. So at this point, how does the offensive line for this upcoming season stack up to what you had last season? Well, I, th- I think we're more athletic than we've ever been. Um, and I think we're, you know, we have some depth, you know, and the development part of O-line is just, it's working as a unit. You know, it's not necessarily, you know, each one of those guys is talented, um, but you, it takes reps. It takes time to develop the continuity to work as a unit because there's so much to it. It's it's the most complicated position in football um, to get those five guys all in sync. And so just takes reps. That's it. And I, I'm really confident in, in the group we have, um, but each day, you know, they're experiencing new things and Jay's bringing a bunch of different pressures and, and it's really good work for us. We're getting a lot of different fronts and different looks and just learning how to block all those things, how to communicate as a unit uh, takes time. And we've had some really good plays. It's good days. And we've had some days where, you know, you got to learn from it and, and improve the next day, but a lot of confidence in those guys. How would you assess the progression and play of Keaton Slovis over the past two and a half months that you've been working closely with him? Yeah, he looks like he's been here three years. Uh, he's just, a, he's a veteran player. He does veteran things every day. Um, he still makes a mistake or two each day. That's sort of like first time in, in this offense, you know, it, sometimes it's related to terminology. Sometimes it's just, you know, small things uh, that he's experiencing for the first time with our system. But um, as far as just like how he plays in the team situations, he's very composed. He's accurate. He's uh, smart about when to check the ball down and when to be aggressive. He's just, he plays like a veteran player and it's just going to take time to develop the chemistry uh, with our receivers and tight ends and with our offensive line you know, protection checks. That, that, that's another thing is the quarterback can help the O-line a lot mm. with making the right calls sometimes and um, or getting us into the right run play, getting us out of a bad play into a good play. The quarterback can do a lot of those things. So there's a, there's a lot there too that helps the offensive line. You mentioned that the defense is certainly bringing the heat and bringing the pressure and challenging what your offense is trying to do. How is the defense different now than they were at this time last year? It's just a different scheme. I mean, it's, it's more of a, it's a, you know, they're more, more of a four down defense. They, they, but they present a lot of different fronts and they multiple coverages and 
different pressures. Um, but just, I would just say overall right now, the biggest difference is just more aggressive, more, mm. yeah, more aggressive without, I don't think Jay wants to like really be saying everything he's doing publicly, <laughs> but there, there definitely is a lot more pressure than what we've gone against in practice in the past. Sure. I've heard him joke about, uh, you know, Hey, don't worry guys. Like this is going to be good for looking at the offense saying, I know you're frustrated. This is going to be good for you at some point. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, I mean, it's there. There should be give and take in practice. I mean, it, it, if one side is always dominating the other side, that's usually not a good thing. Um, you know, there should be days where you leave the practice feeling good, like you won. And there's, there's, it's good for you too to leave the field some days, going, man, we just got our butt kicked today, and we got things to work on. And you want that to go back and forth throughout spring ball and fall camp, and then, you know, that's how you build a good team going into the fall. What does this team do best overall uh, at this point? And you may have already partially answered it with your red zone, uh, you know, alluding to what you did in practice today, but what what's overall the best thing this team does right now? Offensively, you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we're a team that can throw the ball down the field. I, I believe that. we Our quarterback can do that. Um, and we've had – uh, a couple other quarterbacks that are playing well. And we've got Kate, Chase and Keanu and Isaac Rex. And we're getting the ball. You know, we'll, we'll be a team that can throw the ball down the field. I'm, I'm certain of that. And, you know, we just have to keep building our whole system where we have balance, you know, and balance doesn't necessarily mean just run and pass. It's balance in everything. It's, it's balance in being able to run the ball, uh, throw the ball down the field, uh, you know, having – um, use the whole field basically is, is what we're trying to accomplish and use all of our playmakers. And so that's, you know, we're not there yet, but we're, we're working there. From an offensive standpoint over the remainder of spring ball, what are you emphasizing and working on the most? It just depends on the day we, we have, you know, we take, you get 15 practices and we map, we map out, we're making sure we cover, every situation that you can come up with in a game. So we're going to hit the two minute drill a number of times. We'll hit four minute offense a number of times where we have the lead and the defense is trying to get the ball back and we're trying to run the clock out. You know, we were backed up on our own one yard line. You work the red zone and you want to have enough uh, third down work where you, you know, it's just third down and a variety of distances, (coughs) excuse me. And uh, you convert the third down and, congratulations it's third down again and you do it again and you you know we try to um just work every every game like situation you can and put the players to the test and see how they react to those things it's also a chance to test our schemes um you know spring ball is a great time to try some new things throw some new wrinkles out there you know we we don't ever wholesale change to our offense but if you just stay exactly the same every year, the good teams will catch up to you. So you always want to sort of uh, keep your identity, but maybe um, add a couple of wrinkles here and there that give you an, an advantage. So the, you know, the, the, that situational work is a great time to try those things. You've been working your voice and probably because the music's blaring inside the indoor practice facility. So <laughs> are you ready yeah. to get, to get back outside, even though it's a little colder? Yeah, I don't have to yell quite as loud outside. That the, the the music is deafening inside. 
All right, let's finish with this. Um, if you could pinpoint one play that kind of made you go, whoa, that was a really good play by said player today in the scrimmage. What What's the best individual play you saw made in the scrimmage? Uh, in today's scrimmage? Yeah. Or today's practice? Um there wasn't I can't I can't really think of one individual play that stood out today, but we did have one in the red zone a few days ago. Um Keaton Slovitz made a throw to Dom Henry on it was third and goal from the 10 or 11 yard line, obvious pass situation. And um he he threaded a throw over the over the linebackers and dropped it in um on the back line mm. to Dom Henry. Dom Henry made a nice, nice play on the ball, but it was a it was an impressive throw. And um, Zach Wilson was at practice actually. And right after practice, he mentioned, he mentioned it to me. He's like, that was a, that it was a nice play. And that's, <laughs> that's one play that's kind of stood out so far. Yeah. I love it. You're very composed Darren, And I super appreciate that about you. Like you, you never get too high or too low, but in those moments, do you get, do you ever get juice like Jack the Mooney and want to like chest bump somebody? I don't. I, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> There's I try nothing. to be like this. I try yeah. to be like this all the time. <laughs> Good or bad. You know, when I, I really, seriously, I, I, I think that's important. Yeah. Um, some coaches are more emotional and up and down and that's great. My personality is more just this. And I, I try to stay consistent for our players that uh, win or lose, they know that I'm going to be the same all the time. And I think that, uh you know, that, that works for me. And yeah. it's I'm not saying everybody else has to do it that way, but that's, that's my style. I respect it. You've chosen your lane and you're sticking to it. And I, and I like that. Aaron, uh, we appreciate the lengthy conversation today. Know you're busy, rest your voice, get some hot chocolate, uh, stay warm and we'll see you next week. Nice talking to you. BYU offensive coordinator, Aaron Roderick never shies away from giving us a lot of information to digest. He's great. Get this man uh, some water. Uh, first off, okay, uh, one of the notes I want to focus on, red zone. Uh, so last year, BYU was 101st, yeah. scoring 79% of the time in the red zone. There were nine empty trips, 35-44. TD percentage, though, is the one that I look at the most. 59% was 83rd, 26 out of 44. That's why they're that's, focusing that, on that. That's tough. That's tough, right? BYU did not run the ball effectively in the red zone. It probably cost BYU the Notre Dame and ECU games. Otherwise, you're a 10-win team. I hate that so much. Yeah, eight eight was fine, but we were expecting nine points, <clears throat> so that was tough. If you're better in the red zone, you win some games. Let's yeah. go. Yep. Okay, you can watch uh, Mr. Red Zone, Keaton Slovis, and the Cougars Friday as they hold a spring scrimmage live on BYU TV at five Eastern time. Of what we know, this is the first time this has been on TV. We cannot wait. Still on the way is the BYU Creamery, BYU football, and BYU sports overall. Their most important asset. This is BYU Sports Nation. Sorry, what? <laughs> BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. To interact with the show and get some content throughout the day, follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. Here's Jeremiah Spencer. You know what time it is. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Around presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Final four set in men's hoops. Five seed San Diego State facing nine seed Florida Atlantic and four seed UConn facing five seed Miami of Florida. Do you like that no number one seeds made the final four? No. I like at least one 
big time blue blood program in the final four so that other teams that aren't supposed to win can now try and knock off that team in the final four. As much as we love Florida Atlantic and San Diego State, like it's, yeah, it's cool, but the biggest ratings come from teams like Kentucky and Duke. It just is what it is. Like, you care about I, that rating? I'm excited, but no, I'm more interested. I like to watch a dominant force in the Final Four take on a team like Florida Atlantic. Like the George Mason run, you know, 15 years ago or whatever it was, that was fun because they still got to take on, you know, a dominant well, force. Fun at some when they point. lost. No, but yep. hey, like I, I just, I just want one there. I'm fine with it. And just because you're a one doesn't mean you're a blue blood. Like Houston wasn't right, but it was in Houston. They blew it. They, they could have played in their hometown. That would have been awesome. I was kind of hoping Texas would I'm, get in there. I'm fine with it uh, because now in the new Big 12, we are, we are, you know, hey, Texas to the SEC. See you later. We're in, we're in that camp with the other 12. Now. I just see San Diego State and Florida Atlantic in one Final Four matchup. UConn and Miami is fun, but like. Isn't this the American dream, though? You know what I'm saying? Yes, yep. but it's just for me. It doesn't as a, give you hope that BYU could be that team. A little As bit. As opposed to like, yep, got blown out by the one seed in the second <laughs> round as an eight with an eight nine. You know what I mean? A little bit. It's also discouraging to see San Diego State get to a Final Four before BYU. <laughs> That's another subject. <laughs> Zero Big Twelve men's basketball teams made the Final Four. Jerem, I mentioned I was hoping Texas would yeah, get there. Sure. Anybody but Texas, I guess, but in Oklahoma. <laughs> was the conference not as good as we thought this past season? No, they were fantastic. Um, it, it, as you can see by who made the Final Four, uh, sometimes it is a, you forget it's a single game elimination tournament. Yep. Uh, the Big 12 was the best league all year. They had they two did, in the Elite Eight. Could they have showed better in the NCAA tournament? Sure. It doesn't mean they weren't the best basketball. No, they had two in the Elite Eight, which is awesome. Does this mean the Mountain West was one of the best leagues just because San Diego State got in? No. <laughs> Come on now. Conference up, USA. Or San, yeah. CUSA, man. <laughs> is that, I don't even know what league FAU plays in. Are they in Conference USA? Is it Sunbelt? I don't know. Um, San Diego State. <laughs> Conference USA? Yes. Thank you. Uh, San Diego State's in the Final Four. Is it a no-brainer for the Pac-12 to add the Aztecs after that, or should the Big 12 go for the steal? I, I, if I'm the Pac-12, I am like, San Diego State, please join our conference. We need you. Please, like they'd have to beg them. They'd go willingly. The Big 12 doesn't need San Diego State. It'd be fun to have them and open up that Pacific time zone along with Gonzaga. Do they, the, uh, listen, right now, if, you, if, you, if we found out that BYU, uh, sorry, the Big 12 invited Gonzaga and San Diego State, I'd be fine with that. Sure. I'd, I'd be fine with I that. I just feel like the Pac-12 is in more of desperation mode. Clearly. They need San Diego State. What do you mean? They're going to be on Ion Television. They're going to be just fine. <laughs> GSTV. With Criminal gas, Minds Season 5. <laughs> gas Station Television. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? You're like, dude, Oregon State versus Wazoo. Um, I only have three minutes while they're filling up. Filling up at the local Maverick or Chevron watching Oregon State take on Cal. <laughs> we did highlight like the worst matchup possible. <laughs> no, I can't imagine it. Yeah, and no, we joke, no. their deal's going to be better I know, than that. it'll be but Apple Plus with Ted Lasso. And they might get a ton of money. Severance. But where are you seen matters a lot, too. At the gas station. <laughs> All right. The Pac-12 needs San Diego State. They really do.
BYU Volleyball. Man, yeah. some exciting matches. I've heard of them. A couple of five-setters against great. Pepperdine. One Three of them both. Saturday. Jeez. How far will BYU Volleyball jump after beating seventh-ranked Pepperdine twice and Grand Canyon lost two? To Concordia. That was an upset. Um, at least one spot, up to seven. I'm not sure that BYU should be higher than that. Uh, UC Irvine, to me, is still number six. I'm going to vote BYU in the media poll at seven. Mm. I think one spot. Replace Prob Pepperdine. Yeah, probably number seven. Yeah. I think the pin, they've already surpassed what I thought would be their pinnacle, Jerem. I thought that eight was as high as they were going to go this When season. you're 10-0 at home, Spence. Wild. You, and you have four left at home. BYU can control its own destiny to get as high as the two seed in the MPS. That's tournament. awesome. They're tied for third right now and with the tiebreaker over Pepperdine. GCU and UCLA play this weekend. Go Bruins. And if GCU loses a couple, BYU's got a shot. That's amazing. It's amazing. They're building something special. Yes, they are. Uh, Heath Hughes was back. That was a big deal. Former Cougar Hoopster Logan Magnuson was watching March Madness on his phone at a Taylor Swift concert in Vegas, specifically rooting for the Zags. Are his priorities straight? I appreciate that Logan is a conference guy. You know, he and his brothers and the dad. The conference guy. They always go watch the postseason tournaments, a family tradition. We see him in Las Vegas. We talked to yep. him this past year. They like fly in and everything. So I understand why he put hashtag go Zags. You know, it stings a little bit because it's the Zacks. They, they dominated BYU. We were shocked. Uh, but I do appreciate that he went to the effort of watching the Zags while at a Taylor Swift concert. That the Yeah, the multitasking there, respect, Logan. It wasn't multitasking. The concert had not begun. He is totally within his priority rights to watch. Concert begins. Pause. Watch concert, yeah. resume. I was going to say, this is easy. Like if Taylor Swift comes up, yeah. you, you probably paid an exorbitant amount of no, money you to watch. watch Taylor you Swift. Pause. You watch. Oh, absolutely. Listen, right. YouTube TV. You're all in on, on T-Swift. I watched the entirety of both games yesterday after church. It's all good. You can do both. DVR is incredible. I will also do this with General Conference in the Final Four. <laughs> I'm not telling you which one is live. But 2X, you can listen to those talks you, at, the, you, at a faster speed, I'll tell you that. You don't detract from Taylor Swift when you pay 300 plus for a ticket, probably. Yeah, you get one. Come on. Sione Puha, defensive line coach for BYU, was asked by KSL's Mitch Harper, what, his, up, favorite, Mitch? what his favorite part about coaching at BYU was. Here's that exchange. Favorite things so far about working at BYU? Oh, the creamery. <laughs> yeah. Right. I love the creamery. <laughs> no question. Like he Zero was hesitation. Loaded Zero with that. Zero hesitation. So our question is, is the creamery an underused recruiting option for BYU, both for players and coaches? Now, you teased this like the number one asset. asset. No! That's not the number one asset. But um, <laughs> is it underused? I don't know that 18-year-olds care about ice cream like Sione Puhan, you and I do. Uh, but if I can get some mint chocolate chip from the creamery yep. on Ninth East or the cone. Mint chocolate chip. No one calls it that. But when I worked at BYU Laundry as a freshman, they were like, yeah, you go down to the cone. I was like, what? The creamery on Ninth East? I think we need to regularize that. Okay, fine. Let's just, let's just do oh, it. Oh, going to the cone for some ice cream? It might not be an under -recruit, underused recruiting option for athletes, but uh, based on what Sione Puha did. Parents, maybe? Parents and okay. coaches. Like, hey, come coach at BYU. Listen to what Sione Puha Come coach at BYU. See what Sione Puha said. <laughs> you know what? We got Jay Hill. We showed him the creamery. <laughs> and a big fat paycheck to pay for lots of cream. And a million dollars, maybe. Uh, <laughs> BYU men's volleyball looks to continue its undefeated 10-0 home record against USC Thursday and Friday, both at 9 Eastern, on BYU TV and the app. They should win both. I think so. USC's lost uh, 9 of 11.
All right, let's hear from you. How did BYU football's Pro Day performances alter your expectations for Cougar hopefuls in the NFL draft? This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Station. We're live in Studio B. Happy Monday, everyone. Our question of the day, how did BYU football's Pro Day alter your expectations for Cougars and their hopes in the approaching 2023 NFL draft? They're going to get more than three drafted? Did Would you Caleb take Hayes three right now? In? Yeah, for or sure. You, or would you hold out for four? Well, I, of course I want to hold out, but like, I don't but which one? Yeah, I'd hold out for four. Now, okay. because I would of, take because three of right what, now. Because of what Caleb Hayes yeah. did, it's like, I'm going to hold out and see if we can get four. Caleb might be the fourth guy. Yeah. Um, pretty awesome pro day to get in position. I don't think Chris Brooks gets drafted, but he will be, a, as Cam Miller said, a priority free agent, which would be great. The one thing that hurts Caleb is he's quote-unquote undersized he's, he's not super tall but are we worried is about five, are we worried well, about 511 in the nfl as a defensive back um maybe i don't know how the scouts and gms think but i mean certainly at uh, you know six one they're more enticed um he's not well for the nfl maybe a little bit but 40 inch vert it's not like he's five nine right right he's a, he ain't brian logan at five <laughs> seven uh walking through the door I, if brian had been six foot he would have been a massive NFL prospect coming out of BYU. Because his cover skills were great. Yes. Uh, tackling, super good tackling. Yeah. All skills. Like, yes. So you have to, in certain aspects, and it's like the genetic Olympics as well, where it's like, well, what's your height, weight? How You know, you can become strong, but you need a certain amount of strength that's already sort of pre-existing, and then you add to that. You have to, uh, in Blake Freeland's case, your dad is awesome at BYU, and you, you were well-coached, and you worked super hard, and you developed into this monster. Uh, a lot of that is credited to Blake. You also have to be 6'8". You know what I mean? Like, that helps uh, with Blake, and, yeah, you go from there. And in Jaron Hall's case, mom's, what, a gymnast at BYU, and dad's on the football team? You won the Genetic Olympics. You are fast. You are quick. You are motivated by mm -hmm. uh, the family. That helps, too. So, yeah, th you, you, there's a certain amount that, like, you don't control. But the controllable that we saw from those guys on Friday, the work that they put in, the athleticism that they have, they added to the genetics that they inherited, which is awesome. Um, I did not. I got a six-foot-180 frame with no speed. So your boy ain't a receiver, you know what I mean? The, your boy's a broadcaster. So congrats to those guys. But it, it'll be fun to see, yeah, who gets drafted, who gets picked up. The hope is you get at least three in the draft, and I would say at least, you know, it'd be nice to get three free agents at least. If Caleb isn't drafted... He and Chris Brooks and somebody else. He's going to be a priority free agent. Yeah, for Caleb sure. Caleb will, for sure. It's just, is there a third free agent? Is it Harris Lachance, Peyton Wilgar, Gunnar Romney? Those three feel like the most likely. Yeah, yeah. And I know that Houston Ahimuli's targeting just a, Houston's a, right there, too. You know, at yes. least a minicamp invite. Yes. Get into a minicamp, and you have a chance to show uh, what you made of. Which, by the way, it was great to see who was out at Pro Day. We're showing pictures here. Oh, just hanging out with Neil Powell and Tyler Algier. Yeah, uh, you yeah. hung out with Tyler later. Shout out Alder. Um, and then you have Prez and, uh, you know, VP, Vorking, and new Prez, Shane Reese, the guys in the crisp white and black uh, hanging out in the uh, locker room with the uh, fresh outfit from Josh Hewitt and the gang, Lopini Katoa and Alden Tof and Zach Wilson. So, yeah, it's, it's a cool hangout 
uh, on Pro Day as well. Uh, the guys come back, and we talked to Tyler Algerian, Sione Taki Taki, and Harvey Long. It was great to Those see Those were great interviews. That yep. was a fun two-hour show. Yep. All right, some responses now. Caleb.j.mckay on Instagram answers how his expectations for Cougars in the 2023 NFL draft have been altered. He said, I don't think the big three did anything to change their draft stock that much. I chronicled why I feel like Jaron Hall's going to move up around. If you missed that, go back and listen to it. Jaron, uh, you feel Up that- a full round. Yeah, or like 10, I, 20 spots. Like I think he'd go late fourth, late fourth round. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Caleb continues, but I would not be surprised if Caleb Hayes found a team that will take him late day three. Yeah, late day three is is what he'd get if he gets seventh drafted. round guy. It feels like. Yep. Okay. Our elite Could voice of the day, presented by Pax Healthcare Elevated from the Croxall, also on Instagram. <laughs> Simply. 4.3. Yeah, so fast. <laughs> With seven exclamation points after it. And you never know how fast to do this. He, he, like during the season, if you had said, is Caleb Hayes a 4.3 guy? I would have been like, ah, uh, n- no. Like 40-inch vertical, dude? But, but like, dude's trained hard. He's been fast. He yeah. was a little um, injured last year. Yeah. Is what we're told. He, is he why worked, you he didn't worked see through a bunch him of injuries. The same way he was in 2020. He's got enough film. He was so good in 2020. He's totally. got enough film combined with that pro day. 19 PBUs in two years. That's a great number. Join us for a full day of BYU football on Friday starting at noon Eastern time. Two-hour alumni alumni day special. The re-air of the BYU-Baylor game. After that, 5 Eastern BYU spring scrimmage. After that, the BYU alumni game. Let's hope for good weather. After that is men's volleyball versus USC at 9 Eastern as well. All on BYU TV Friday. Chance of a dusting of snow in the morning, but 44 degrees and partly cloudy at 5 Eastern. We'll take it. Come on, sunshine. We'll take it. (laughs) Sunshine. Please. Warm weather. Coming up, rise and shout out to straight domination by an elite club Mm. on campus. This is BYU Sports not like Facebook. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Let's go, Blake Freeland. Today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Should we give it to BYU Rugby? We shall. Yes, we should. Because BYU beat Utah 67-22. Oh, we got highlights! My guy Connor Olvera had four tries. Lyle Matthews had three tries and six conversions, 27 points. Absolute domination by the boys. Nicely done. All right, uh, yeah, it's it's a more highlights. Our thanks to today's guest offense coordinator, Aaron Roderick. Sorry to Dennis, we ran out of time. For Jeremiah Spencer, and let's give an additional shout-out to Jacob Hanneman. We'll see you back here tomorrow in Studio B. Go Cougs. And let's go, Jaron. Fourth round. Come let's on. Let's go, Jaron. 